0: This podcast is a proud member of the That Moment In podcast network. Check out the network at thatmomentin.com. Hello, and welcome to episode 6 of the Asian Cinema Film Club. I am your host, as always, Edward Jones from the Deputy DVD Hell, and joining me, of course, is my co host, Mr. Stephen Palmer. Hello, everybody. Now, if you this is your first time, obviously tune into the podcast. This is the Asian Cinema Film Club, where myself and Stephen aim to provide an introduction to the wonderful and occasionally weird world of Asian cinema by each week highlighting a different film for your viewing taste to enjoy. This week, we're going to be looking at the cult horror uh, Death Note ahead of its American remake, which is... As of the time of recording, due out on the 26th of this month Netflix. So, we thought it was, you uh, know, that we obviously went back and looked at the live action original uh, to obviously not only catch up and just uh, obviously see we can find out what the obsession with Death Note is, as it's certainly one of those films that since its release, and especially since the anime release and the manga, has gone on to become this huge cultural icon. But before we obviously get into our featured film for this evening, we start, as always, by, since the last episode, what's been holding your attention?
1: You know, Asian film-wise, I haven't watched anything since we last spoke and no, that's going to probably say that every episode, don't I? But I've had, I'm afraid it's Game of Thrones time at the moment, so that takes my um, that takes my watching, rewatching, and catching up with that.
0: It is, but I mean, it's only a short season of Game of Thrones, so yeah. I mean, so I'll be back in back in the saddle. You'll soon. be back in the. You, <laughs> ha, you at least have something to fall back on when everyone else is having like withdrawal symptoms that Game of Thrones is over for like another year again. No, and
1: and and then over forever. <laughs>
0: Yes, I mean, I know it's... Game of Thrones is like, whenever I watch it, it just makes me want to go off and watch something more fantasy-based to sort of, like, tide myself over. Um, perhaps rewatching Dragon Wars wasn't the greatest move after this last episode. <laughs> um, yeah. Which basically is just all about the end sequence, and it's just nonsense up until that point. But, you know, it's dragons, and dragons... Uh, I mean cool. I gotta be yeah,
1: I gotta be honest, I'm not a huge fan of fantasy and it took me a long time to get into it, but the the sort of the the, the, the dense plotting and the water cooler chat has got me rather addicted to it. And um I also am very soft at anything with dragons in to be honest with you. That's
0: good. Cool. I mean obviously staying on the fantasy sort of track, I mean a different sort of fantasy style of directing uh, would be that belonging to the very underrated, in my opinion, Hitoshi Hitoshi Matsumuso, um, whose film, A Symbol, I actually checked out uh, this week. Uh, This is from 2009, and the best way I can describe it is that it's like Saw with jokes, in that this guy, um, played by the director himself, he wakes up in this white room and basically... Has to try and find a way out, and the walls are all covered with these like phallic light switches. That, whenever he presses them, weird things happen in the room, like a plate of sushi appear or a potted plant. And he has to try and find a way out of this room. At the same time, there is this parallel storyline of this mass Mexican wrestler called Escargot Man, who is again on his age and he's sort of worried whether he's still going to be able to have a career as a mexican wrestler especially as he's facing younger opponents and the whole film it runs these two parallel storylines until the end where you realize just how the two are connected now matsumoto directed uh, big man japan these parody on kaiju movies he also directed what arguably the most perverted movie ever in R100 its title as well meaning that essentially no one under the age of 100 should be able to view it are you familiar with Matsumoto's work are you a fan where do you sort of stand uh, with him
1: I've heard of this film I'm just having to look now to see <laughs> well that sounds crazy um I I'm aware of him um I think the only thing I've seen is R100 which is a interesting <laughs> little piece. <laughs> it's not for children. Um, I'm just trying to think if I'd seen anything else. I mean, the, the problem is of course, with Asian humor, it can utterly not travel. Well, certainly Japanese humor, I think, um, doesn't travel. So it, when it, when it's black and dark, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that helps it or, um, hinders it
0: really yeah i mean it's for myself i found his films incredibly funny um it's very warped sort of sense of humor especially in the case of r100 where you basically have this salary man who is lonely so he signs up for this escort sort of service and basically at any point these dominatrix uh figures will appear from nowhere and basically beat the hell out of him and they've all got these weird and wonderful sort of fetishes like we've got the queen of spitting we've got the queen of mastication and it's uh they all provide different services should we say and none of them i would say are sexy in any sort of particular way but somehow that really uh works with this guy as we see constantly after they each encounter this vibrating background behind him and it's again it's one of those weird films you're not sure why you're watching it, much like if you watch something like Dog Tooth, but at the same time, there's certainly something there uh, which makes the work so appealing. Um, and I think, like, Sion Sono, is one of those directors that I think needs more recognition. Certainly, Sono is now finally getting the recognition from like films like uh, Do You Play in Hell and Tokyo Tribe are getting that f- recognition finally, but uh, Matsumoto is still sort of on the outskirts he's still very much an underground sort of uh presence especially for asian cinema fans i mean his last film was in uh 2013 with r100 um and he's only got a short little back catalogue of films i mean he's only directed four films uh big man japan symbol scabulous samurai and r100 so it's not the longest uh back catalogue of films to work through but um I think if you're feeling brave and want to see something a bit different, then some uh, of his films are worth checking out. Um, although, as you said said already, I mean anything regarding Asian humor, especially to Western audiences, you you really got to take it with a pinch of salt and just sort of try and roll with it the best you can until you get sort of accustomed to the uh, the humor, so to speak.
1: Yeah, and I think that's something. I, I, I'm pretty sure we're going to cover a couple of. Asian comedies in the coming months, and, and I think that'll be a a theme. Will return to the untranslatability of certainly <laughs> so both both in terms of culture and of course language being a barrier. But slapstick always wins. Nothing's funnier than the uh, a man tripping, uh slipping on a banana skin, right?
0: That's what we uh, like to believe, anyway. But uh, <laughs> I mean, talking <laughs> of untranslatable things, I mean the other series which has been holding my interest um, has been the anime series Tokyo Ghoul which is currently just wrapped up its run on Viceland but uh, they are showing like, all their anime series all available via the Viceland on demand service and Tokyo Ghoul I feel has been one of those series that's been very unfairly painted because it's a horror series and a lot of anime lists tend to focus on more of the violent aspects especially of some of the later episodes and kind of missed out on just what a unique twist on the vampire mythos this series is. As we've got this young boy who goes on a date with this girl who's he's absolutely besotted with, only for her to turn out to be a ghoul in this case, um, who bites him and then turns him into a ghoul as well. And it's about him dealing with adapting to his new situation. At the same time, there is government agents that are trying to hunt down the ghouls, and it's a really fascinating take. I mean, I don't like vampire films and the whole myth also feels very overworked so to actually get a kick out of something like tokyo ghoul and i think as well the fact that it's not just gratuitous sort of fan service that in tokyo ghoul yes there is some splatter uh, and certainly some hyper violence sort of craziness in there but uh it's all at the same time feels very justified it's none of the sort of like what we saw in like the early 90s which were just like splatter and tentacles uh everything in this series feels like he's got a purpose and it's i said it's a real interesting title especially if you're a fan of horror to uh definitely worth giving a check checking out
1: and i probably will check it out because i know it's only got 12 episodes (laughs) (laughs) for the first season yeah (laughs) for the first season That, that that's a palatable approachable um uh, meal for me yeah um i know i appreciate that there's, there's other seasons and ovas and things like that but you know just to just to be able to a, a bite size a few hours long weekend something like that that might that might be of interest to me so yes. i may you're looking, at,
0: you're looking at a six hour block i put you probably binge watch netflix for longer if you're into box set binges like if oh, you I, tried I, to watch I, like the I, defenders in one weekend or something you probably spend more time doing that than you would clearing off the first season of tokyo ghoul
1: yeah spoilers for my weekend everybody (laughs) (laughs) but yeah
0: yeah i mean obviously we're talking tonight about death note and death Note's coming up on netflix with its american uh how do we put this i mean is it remake is it reimagining i mean how are we describing this latest incarnation of uh, of the material
1: um, as I understand it, I've read a few reviews and things around it. It's an American style remake, um, so it's a, it's a movie, right? Rather than a series, yeah. I think. Um, and it's it's based in America with American characters. They're changing the names on the whole, so yeah, it's taken it's taken the essence of what the Death Note stories were around and 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 just translating it to an American audience which actually i prefer when people go that way so like when they when the when they remade dark water they didn't just go and set it in japan with white people they they they, they culturally moved it across and I'm, I'm a much bigger fan of that than just copying what already exists and taking the subtitles away which is what can happen sometimes so i don't know i'm i i'll be very interested how the material is interpreted
0: okay I mean, this obviously isn't the first property to be adapted from a manga or an anime into a live-action format. I mean, since we are looking at Death Note, I thought we, we might as well look at some of the other great titles, which obviously started off as either manga or anime. So this is really my quick top five, should we say, uh, titles that are worth checking out that obviously fall into this uh, category. First off, and this is probably a really well-known title, but I don't think many people actually know that it started off as a manga, and that would be uh, Park Chan-wook's Old Boy.
1: Yeah, absolutely, although um, it's a little bit different story-wise, isn't it? It certainly takes its inspiration from a a manga.
0: Yeah, and I mean, Old Boy, again, had a remake from Spike uh, Lee. Yeah, that's the right one. Um, yep. which I really liked. I know a lot of people out there were very defensive, and mainly because they loved the Korean version so much that they didn't want to like admit that the American version would be any good, um, especially when you've got such a diversive director like Spike Lee lending the film. But I think Josh Brolin really inhabited the character, and I thought that it really took the story in an interesting direction, and certainly visually um, was very interesting to look at, even if the famous sort of corridor sequence was extended so it was now a three level fight in a what can probably be described as a parking garage. The original manga is still worth checking out even though as we you said already there is those, those differences between the material uh, failing that Parchan the whole of his Vengeance trilogy from Symphony of Mr. Vengeance oh boy through to my personal favourite Lady Vengeance um, is definitely worth checking out and uh, a must have I would say for your collection
1: i oh, couldn't couldn't agree more and and mine my favorite lady vengeance as well certainly the first half of it and then it gets grim <laughs>
0: <laughs> um a more random one should we say and i think the this won't be the first time i'm going to use that word on this list and that is ricky O, the story of ricky uh this is probably the most bonkers martial arts movie you will see as this is a film where a guy gets punched in the stomach and a hole appears through him, another guy gets his head crushed. Um, it's just ultra-violence from start to finish and is probably one of those videos which has been dissected and cut up on YouTube more than any other film I know. It's, of the last couple of years, I would say it's gained more of a cult cool following, but certainly for Asian cinema fans who will probably be familiar with it already just because it is absolutely bonkers. And probably quite unlike any other kung fu movie you see as certainly what it lacks in actual martial arts it certainly makes up in gratuitous violence and sheer randomness uh making it an absolute must-see
1: of which i haven't seen it but <laughs> 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 well, i'm i'm fully aware of it i've just never got around to watching it but yes um it, it comes with a it comes with full-on cult credentials that's for sure
0: Next one is an adaptation of an anime, and that is Takashi Miike's Yataman. Now, this falls in Miike's later period, so it's been past his outlaw period, and this is him around the same time he was doing films like Ace Attorney, and basically experimenting more with filmmaking. And this is one of his certainly more lighthearted affairs. It still has traits of the old Miike in there, such as one of the villains plans being to be surrounded by all the women of the world and we cut to a scene of him buried up to his neck in gorgeous uh japanese schoolgirls, while he's tickling some girl's foot it's got that l- little bit of edge uh mika edge to it which uh makes it still fun but it's a hyperactive and colorful entry and features some giant mecha fun in there uh as well but um i mean still. yeah i
1: i i, li- I love Yataman. man um for me it's mickey's sort of love letter to sort of saturday morning t v or saturday morning japanese t v isn't it it's um it's fun and bright but also as you suggest a little bit subversive as well which for me is is classic mickey and that's a period of his work where he and, and i might talk about something in a similar era in a minute myself <laughs> where 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 he um is trying different things, and you know, th- th- those people that know him from, from audition and things like that, or his, his gangster craziness, um, the man works across genres with success and lack of success. But Yataman's a huge amount of fun,
0: yeah. Um, another random title, and that is Kashen. Uh, this film is absolutely bonkers. Um, it features some. <laughs> Truly hyperactive uh, action sequence, to say the least, as our lead, lead uh, character is seen not only crassy chopping robots in half, he's shown you know, leaping 10 feet in the air um, as he battles sort of zombie cyborgs. I mean, I've watched this film four times and I'm still not overly sure what's happening, but it's very busy and there's a lot of things happening on the screen, and that keeps me amused. This is a film that again it reminds us of when we do cgi uh that if you're going and this is again why asian cinema does cgi so well is the fact that they realize that cgi should be used for creating things that you're unable to create with practical effects and that's certainly what we get here as we get live action blending with some wonderful warm cgi effects uh to absolutely incredible effect and this is an absolutely stunning film and one certainly worth checking out. as as is the original anime series if you um, are a fan of old school cartoons, especially sort of old school ninety so old school Saturday morning cartoons, uh, which obviously the original series could be best classified as being.
1: Yeah, it's another another good choice. So the director Kazuhiro Hiroshita or well, that's his real name, I think he's known as Kazuaki Korea, isn't it? Um hasn't made many films i think cashier was his first film but he's very famous for making um music videos especially for his ex-wife utada hikaru who's one of these massive japanese stroke american stars um and <clears throat> i'm actually a big fan of his second film goemon which is uh which is more of a Let's say a historical talk, talks about one of the. <laughs> it, 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 it's a story of Goemon, who's he's a famous Japanese historical or sort of samurai figure, Um but done in the same way. Lots of CGI, lots of. um Yeah, it's 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 a visual treat. Um, for me, Kasha and I, I, I kind of like the visuals of Kasha, and I can't really dig it uh, as anything other than uh, than a visual treat. But someone very worth digging out his films. Unfortunately, he hasn't made very many things, and he made three, hasn't he?
0: Yeah, he's one of those uh, directors who sort of only chooses to like, make a film occasionally, it seems. And it, it, it's not not sure why he has such a, a gap between films. I mean, I, I was really surprised. I mean, I saw Keshen. And then um, I saw Goemon, uh, that was in my like local blockbuster, and it was like, oh, from the director Kashen. I was like, oh, I've got to watch this. And then it's sort of been a bit of a, a a dry spell that just seems to continue on and on for him. I don't know what why um he doesn't direct more. Maybe it's like Lou Besson, who's just a fantastic director who doesn't particularly like directing.
1: Well, he did, of course. Um, he did make Last Night, so he had he did try breaking into Hollywood with yet another retelling of the 47 morning. Um uh, Clive <laughs> Owen Morgan Freeman people like that in there So again visually very interesting but it was a huge flop and I guess um, I guess it's hard to keep making movies if they don't make any money
0: that's true um, now for my final choice I went back and forth over what I was going to choose because I really wanted to go for Go Glow 13 Assignment in Kuala um, and that's just mainly because I'm a huge Sonic Chiba fan uh, but ultimately, I went for Baby Cart in Peril, or the Lone Wolf and Cub series, as it's uh, better known through its manga origins. Now, if you're unfamiliar with uh, the series, it basically follows this shogun assassin who is trekking through this land he calls Hell with his infant son, um, who he pushes in a baby cart, which has got more hidden weapons and gadgets that will put James Bond to shame. It's absolutely astounding, especially as as this is supposed to be feudal Japan. And basically, over the course of, was it six films? Um, yep, six. They continue on this uh, quest of vengeance, taking on contracts to uh, kill various people along the route, and it's... An absolutely fantastic series. I mean, the first two films were cut down into Shogun Assassin, uh, which it serves as kind of like a greatest hits for the first two. But if you kind of want uh, an even intro- like introduction to the series or you just want to watch a best of for those first two films, it's still a really good cut. Um, the In the second film, uh, Baby Cut the River Sticks, we saw the Three Laws of Death, who had obviously gone to inspire the the gods of rain thunder and lightning that we saw in john carpenter's big trouble in little china um this is a really fantastic series and i know for the longest time darren Aronofsky was like saying that he was going to remake it for an american audience but like so many things that we see on Aronofsky's uh, imdb such as his much muted uh, uh adaptation of uh, fido rosak's flicker is yet to happen. I mean, he makes more promises to make things as Robert Rodriguez does. Is um, <laughs> is a very frustrating director, as much as I love him.
1: He does get attached to a lot of properties, doesn't he? And um, I think I think what happens is like, he gets the elevator pitch. He gets to he gets to start a treatment, and then the uh, the, the film executives, I suspect, step back from it because. Oh as fabulous and visionary a director as he is, I'm not convinced he's box office.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, his films are certainly... I mean, the his best work originates from, like, golden period of the American indie. I mean, he made the greatest anti-drug movie ever with Requiem for a Dream. Um, I think anyone who's seen that movie will not even want to touch an aspirin after seeing that movie, never mind doing drugs, so it's uh yeah train yeah.
1: train spotting is your repair teeth but requiem for a dream is is, uh, is, 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 is just the most harrowing experience
0: <laughs> yeah it is, and it's not even just like heroin that it focuses on it's like any any sort of like it basically tells this idea that if you pursue happiness it will only end badly for you if you're going to take diet pills so you can fit in the red dress or if you're going to as I said, you're going to uh, sell drugs to, so your girlfriend can buy her store, and or you can get out of the uh, the boardwalk. It's uh, it's not going to end well for you.
1: No, and 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 it ha- does have the scariest fridge ever in it. <laughs> <laughs> and anyone who's seen it will know what I mean. But yeah, I've, I mean, I think he's a fantastic director. Mm. But I do, I do suspect that he gets attached to a lot of properties, and and probably with the best intentions. But I think, I think he probably has trouble getting funding for a lot of it.
0: Okay. Um, now, we did throw this uh, question up on our Facebook group. We do have now have a page. If you search for Asian Cinema Film Club on Facebook, you can follow us on there, be our fake cyber friends. And we also post on their news pieces, reviews, um, that myself and Stephen have been uh, working on our various blogs. We, as I said, we've the news features. We've tried to make it a real hub so it's not just things relating to the show. And we obviously post the question out there to... To our followers, and asked what were their favorite live action adaptations. We got a couple of responses back um, from the Vern over Vern's video Vortex, as well as Cinema Recall, which is on the That Moment in Podcast Network, which we, of course, are proud members of. Um, he went with Speed Racer as his uh, choice. Um, again, a classic manga and anime. Um, and I feel. It's a film that's certainly worth reevaluating now, uh certainly with the race sequences, they look fantastic even at if at times it feels like you're watching the world view of a kid with a d d on the ups and downs of a sugar binge, but uh it sure is a pretty film I mean, are you a fan of speed racer?
1: um it's visually stunning <laughs> um it, yeah um and 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 there'll be plenty of films which I will. I will beat the drum for because they're visually stunning um I think it probably has got a bit of an unfair rep um because it's not the matrix <laughs> Do you know what I mean um That's true. Yeah, as everything they've done since has um has, has always been held up to that standard um but there's quite a few directors that have had that issue isn't there but yeah it's 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 it's, it's yeah it's it's like somebody on with ADHD on LSD and five thousand packets of Skittles, that's what they must see. <laughs> Pretty much, <laughs> but, yeah. but it's I, th- I think it's I think it's okay, yeah.
0: Um, now, weeds over at uh, Flight Tights and Movie Nights, as well as Channel Superhero, has recommended Gantz, uh, which I've yet to see. He also recommended the live-action version of Kiki's Livery Service, which i didn't actually know it existed i thought there was just the ghibli version and that was it okay that's in that's interesting um so Gantz, i have seen and it
1: was on it's on my list which we will run through in a minute yep. um but i, I dropped I, I dropped it it was on my it was on my original list of about 15 to 20 <laughs> but yeah <laughs> that's a whole series of films um so that 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 that's well worth a watch. Kiki's delivery service, that was only that was a couple of years ago they did a live action version of that. Um the Ghibli one is a million times better. But actually in its own way, it's fairly charming. Um but it looks like a TV movie. And it looks like a Japanese TV movie, um, which means production values are okay. Um you'll find that a lot with Japanese cinema all round really, which is is that uh, there are outliers but on the whole it's it's fairly static and washed out um so but but the story itself is charming it's a charming story full stop so i i, I i'd accept that cool.
0: um i mean obviously what was on your list uh that what was, would you be your also runs for live action adaptations
1: I oh, don't know about also ran, so I'll, I'll just run through them really quickly. So you you already picked a Takashi um one. He's done a ton of adaptations. <laughs> like you might, a lot of people might have thought we might have picked Itchy the Killer. It was on I the guess list. Is, uh, <laughs> it's, is a, um yataman as you say i'm a big fan of the mole song movies the more recent couple of films he's done which are fabulous fun um but mine is going to be a surprise to a lot of people and i'm a huge fan of ito makoto which um is known as for love's sake over here in the uk it's a musical it's a, and i don't even like musicals and there's two of them on this list um but it's it it's It's like a sort of 60s era musical, Japanese schoolgirls, um, feral schoolgirls, sorry. Um, and a sort of bit of West Side story. There's some really catchy tunes. And it's just, it's just Mikey at his most whimsical. The next one is probably one of the first Asian films I ever saw and that helped me fall in love with Asian cinema. Um, is Azumi from 2003 um it's a Channabra film um and the sequel actually was directed by the director of tonight's film wasn't it but i love azumi um it's a little bit long but it it just impressed me in the opening sequence it's got it just showed the balls obviously which i didn't know was from the original manga to, to kill off half its main cast within the first 20 minutes of the film which i love that um the next one is a little bit more hard to find but well worth finding finding it's another it's another japanese film called nana to karu um it's a love story about two young school kids who find love via um bdsm but don't think it's something sexual it's a really charming sweet story that uses the ideas of um bdsm in in it in it there is a sexual element, of course, but it, it's far more charming than that. There's actually a sequel which I've never seen, but the first one the first film of Nana Takaru is really worth watching. Um next up is my all time favourite comedy Japanese film, which is Therme Rome, which is based on the idea that a guy from Roman times, time travels to the present, and um, then takes things he sees and reinvents them back in the past. <laughs> um, it sounds crazy. all the Romans are Japanese <laughs> um, and it, it and, and, and when he travels to the future, he doesn't really know what he's doing, and he thinks they're like foreign invaders because he he travels to Japan <laughs> and and discovers lots of things about baths so obviously, you get the connection there between the Roman baths and, the, and water and all the things that the Romans did in, in that area with the Japanese obsession with bathing and, and you know, uh, computer driven toilets and uh, public <laughs> baths and things like that um, it has, it stars um, both um, the lead actress from Atsumi, funnily enough, but I'm um, just trying to find the guy's name now, um, what's he called? It's, uh, Hiroshi Abe Abe Who's a who's a six foot tall Japanese model who's in a whole bunch of films and you will have recognised him. But Thermo Rome and its sequel isn't too bad either. But it's it's just a crazy fun, genuinely funny film. If I've picked Takashi Miki I've got to pick one from Sion Sono, and I utterly adore Tokyo Tribes or Tokyo Tribe as I think it's called here. Um, it's 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 a rap it's a rap musical. Yeah. Um, from beginning to end, um, I was lucky enough to see it in a cinema with a proper sound system and even translated into English, it just works. It feels much more like a tap- cashy Mikey film actually because it's got aspects of um, cannibal gangster families and it's set in the near future and, um, but it's just a fabulous fabulous cinematic experience which was made in Sono's seven films in a year which he did a couple of years ago Um, but again based on a manga well worth catching and the final one I would pick is what I think is the finest adaptation of a manga partly because I don't read a lot of manga but one of the people's manga I do read is Junji Ito's sort of weird horror stuff I'm not going for any of the Tomy films of which there are lots. I'm going to go for the film of Ujumaki, which is, Ujumaki, I I think is Japanese for spiral. Um, and it's just about this weird happening where spirals take over a town. Um, has a very interesting drawing style. This film just brings it to life. Um, is it scary? No, it's not scary at all, but is it visually fascinating and is it utterly true to its source material? Yes, it is. So if you can track a copy of Ujimaki down, I'd highly recommend it. And that's my lot.
0: Sure. <laughs> hey, you don't want to like go with like the guinea pig movies or Angel Guts or uh... <laughs> something a little extreme. I wonder how the, <laughs> the original source material for this stuff looks because the films are bad enough.
1: Uh, yeah, a mermaid in a manhole was one, wasn't it? For example, and oh, I gosh. was thinking, <laughs> like, really? I mean, I guess, I guess, I, the difference in Japan, and this is very much a Japanese phenomenon. I think um, I, I could have old oh, old oh boy aside. Um, on the whole, I think we've only picked Japanese films, haven't we? Um, we just have to remember that manga and anime are much more accepted forms of entertainment art than they are than the comic books they are in the west Now now it seems crazy to say you know the biggest films in the world are all the marvel movies but you know historically that hasn't been the case whereas anime and manga are you know everyone reads them the young the old they read them on the train they read them at home they'll they'll you know desperate to get the next edition and a lot of these things come out weekly not monthly so it's a rich place to get inspired to make live action movies and the breadth of content it's not just sci-fi and horror and and genre stuff there are there are there are there are manga about hospitals and taking your exams and crime and from the mundane to the crazy to the to the outrageous and so it's no wonder it's a it's a fine source of inspiration. Although I would suggest it's interesting that they bother making live action ones at all. Certainly of some of the anime, it just, I just don't understand. If, it, if it's all culturally accepted, why bother making a live action remake? In the West, we tend to make a live action remake because it's a cartoon and it has little, um, widespread readership. Or that they want to take something foreign and, and anglicise it a little bit, so yeah.
0: I don't know. I guess they've uh, they've got to give all these pop stars something to do because, as we frequently find, especially when we, when we look at like Hong Kong, you can't just be like a singer. You have to be a singer and an actor and a producer and a director. I mean Jackie Chan. I mean, how many credits does he run with? I mean seven. I mean he's when we look at Thunderbolt, he's the director he's the actor he sings the theme tune um, he has all these different like uh, cre- credits to his name and i think that's why they have to uh, keep doing live action films just to give him something to do but i don't know I guess,
1: I guess it's an easy way to get something you know if something is popular
0: yeah we would
1: make it and we do that here it's just that it's just that the the, the comic books and cartoons are um, adult fair here, rather. There are There are exceptions, of course there are. But on the whole, we think of them as childish pursuits, which is a touch <laughs> unfair.
0: I feel that it's uh, an attitude that's certainly changing, especially as the Xenial generation are coming more into their own, um, as we obviously came up with anime. So, our sort of, how we view animation, and certainly... Graphic graphic novels or um, and how old stories can be told is certainly a lot different than like the previous generations like the baby boomers the MTV generation uh, the Gen Xers who would obviously have set the taste standard. I mean now when we look at like the wealth of anime and manga titles available and certainly the variety of titles available, it's a lot different than obviously back in the early nineties and. And uh, when I first obviously started getting into anime and it was just very sort of like giant mecha and an- action and horror and demon uh, porn <laughs> sort of titles. So they were very sort of set categories which existed and now we've become very, very open. Our tastes are like much more accepting of different sort of styles and you can see it when you, especially if you like happen to be like going through even like Cartoon Network and you see something like, the animated style for My Little Pony Friendship is Magic, for example, or Adventure Time or these series where you can see they clearly are drawing inspiration from from the anime uh, style. I mean even when we like look at some of the new Marvel cartoons, such as like Ultimate Spider Man, it's got a very anime style to it. Internally, through I think things such as like The Simpsons, obviously showing that you can do multi-tier humour. I think that has also played into it. So, um, you didn't just she... out yourself as a
1: Brony, then, did you? In the middle of that? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just uh, I'm just a
0: <laughs> culturally aware man.
1: So. <laughs> okay. I kid you. No, absolutely. I mean, just go to go to your local bookshop, sort of main main chain bookshop in town. You will see there is now a huge section of um manga yeah it's it it's an accepted thing and those people grow up if you read american superheroes especially marvel comic books over the last 10 years they have taken on the pacing of japanese comic books yeah a lot less happens more time is taken, so so a comic book may be one or two scenes rather than a full pulse pounding adventure from that like used to be in the sixties and the seventies. So definitely, culturally that's taken taken over our culture in subtle ways and in really obvious ways, like like, like some of the things that you've discussed um, yourself. Um, so and and you know, and there's a reason that they made a, a live action remake of Ghost in the Shell. There's a reason. Netflix are doing Death Note yeah There are, yeah. there's a generation of people who grew up with these and, and have had a desire to bring it bring it over and I think people are more accepting of it now it's not going to be that crazy little strange thing it's 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 something that people are aware of
0: yeah definitely Um, if you would like to share your favourite live action adaptations please do so Uh, the Facebook group as we said already is now live and active Uh, come like us uh, go support the group uh, just look for Asian Cinema Film Club Uh, at the moment I believe we have Maggie Chung as our picture there from Chungking Express Um, and on there uh, you know come share your thoughts on Asian Cinema let us know Things, films you would like to see a review, or subjects you would like to see discussed, uh, come get involved. Um, as always, as well, the comment section is open as well. So uh, if you're listening to this via thatmomentin.com, or you're listening to us via Podomatic or iTunes, then uh, definitely let us know in the comment section what you think of the show and uh, give us some feedback. As we always love to hear from you, but. We are going to take a quick break, and when we return, we will be looking at our featured film for this episode, which is 2006 Death Note.
1: You are about to witness history in the making.
0: Hi there, this is Todd from Forgotten Films,
1: and if you spend all your time watching new releases, then you need to broaden your movie horizons. And a great way to do that is by joining me for the Forgotten Filmcast. We don't talk about the new releases. We don't even talk about the classics. We talk about the movies that time forgot. On each episode, I'm joined by another film blogger to discuss a film that may
0: or may not be worth rediscovering. So look for the Forgotten Filmcast on iTunes, Podomatic, and wherever you find great podcasts. And we're back. Uh, You're still, of course, listening to the Asian Cinema Film Club. Tonight's uh, featured film being 2006 Death Note. Uh, if you haven't done already, make sure you do check out um, the other podcasts on the ThatMomentIn.com podcast network. Is uh, not only ourselves, we also have Cinema Recall there with The van who is currently uh, looking at key films and directors. Uh, recently he did looked at Edward and uh coming up he is also going to be looking at the kill bill um as he uh, takes a look at ass kicking women in particular the bride so uh definitely exciting things happening on the network so uh make sure you uh hit the subscribe buttons whether you're listening on itunes podomatic or you're listening via the thatmomentin.com feed um we appreciate all your support and uh, as we said uh, before the break, our Facebook group is now open. Uh, just look for Asian Cinema Film Club and uh, hit the like button and, uh, you know, leave us your thoughts. But obviously tonight uh, we are looking at 2006 Death Note. This is an adaptation of the wildly popular anime and manga. Uh, directed by Shinsuke Kaneko. I believe I am pronounced that right. Am I wrong? Stephen soon tell me. Sh-
1: Shisuke Kaneko.
0: There we go. Um, apologies, as always, if we are butchering any Asian names on this show.
1: Yeah, we're both as guilty as each other.
0: <laughs> um, for those obviously not familiar with Death Note, it follows this uh, rather simplistic plot where the Death Note is a book where... If you write someone's name in the book they will then die and if you don't say how they die, they would just drop dead of a heart attack and the film itself it follows the Death Note as it falls into the hands of Light Yama, uh, Yagami who is a Japanese college student he's currently studying to be a lawyer and he uses the death note as a way to strike back at the criminal population of Japan and sees himself as his vigilante force of good. At the same time, his father, who is a... Yeah, I mean, he's a senior police detective. He's uh, currently investigating this string of unusual murders and his department starts receiving assistance from this mysterious figure known as L who knows, seems to know a lot about the murders and is determined as the uh, local police department to obviously find out who is responsible for all these unusual deaths. And it's up to Light to basically try and find a way to take the focus off himself, Um, especially as the cult around the death note grows ever more stronger. Now... Dude, and I mean, had you seen Death Note before? I mean how aware where you were the no. material.
1: No, I mean I I'd, I'd never seen the film before. I was aware of it and and, and as a series and as of a thing. It's just not something I'd um i I'd delved into before. Um so I came at it fairly cold. I knew actually I knew the actors in it, so so that that helped. What you didn't say is that this is part one of two. And it's one of those things which I know got quite in vogue here in, in 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 the West where films would be part one and part two. They got quite into it in Japan for a bit as well. So I think what I wasn't prepared for was the spending two hours with it not to get a conclusion.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's uh it certainly has an open ending. If you watch this as just its own own film. Um, it feels like it comes to a very much a grinding halt all of a sudden, it's sort of like, oh that's the ending, I kind of want to know what happens next, I mean as you said already, I mean this was followed by Death Note 2, the last name um, there was also a spin-off film directed by Hido Nakata uh, which was L Change the World which was released in 2008 and we've got another sequel, Death Note Light Up the New World, which is due to be released in 2016 um, as well as obviously the the american remake uh, which we obviously discussed a little bit about in the uh, first half
1: yeah and, and i think there's a tv series as well in, the, in in japan as well so this is clearly a it was clearly a popular franchise that is still popular i suppose
0: oh yeah it definitely i would say it's definitely popular if you look at the anime fans i don't if you hang around Forbidden Planet or wherever you happen to buy your comic books from, you more than likely see one or two people with some sort of definite insignia clothing or bag or something. It's it's become one of those uh, popular series that the iconography of it is very instantly recognisable. Certainly there's a lot of it based around apples and in particular the God of Death. Um, who appears to light frequently and kind of comes across like his warped in, invisible friend.
1: Yeah, so I guess what we have to talk about is is this um it's Urayuk, who's a Shinigami like a god of death, who is a fully realized CGI character, um, that sometimes works and sometimes doesn't work. Would that be fair to say?
0: I don't know. I mean, I really like Viuk. I thought going into this um, that he would be much more a humorous character, but he's very much a one-level sort of character. I think the fact he likes apples is about his most amusing trait. He's kind of the voice of reason in many ways. He tries to warn light of the path he's heading down. At the same time, he also... Offers to upgrade Light's ability so that, in fact, he can see people and instantly see their names rather than having to do sort of like the detective uh, legwork so that he can find people's names and um, add them to the death note. It is, he is
1: It is interesting
0: because I went
1: in expecting, you know, Light to be a good chap who is corrupted by this god of death but it's very quickly revealed that the guy we thought was going to be our hero is a frigging psychopath. And, right. and, and actually the, the, the thing that we think of as the God of death is, as you say, almost the voice of reason. Um, and yes, of course he's tempting and, and all those things that, that evil gods tend to do. But even he, there's this wonderful looks on his face at times when light does things. He thinks, Oh, you sure you want to do that? And then later on, is how did you do that? <laughs> you know, it's it. He it, it almost, become, it almost becomes he almost becomes a sympathetic character because oh my god, what have I done here?
0: <laughs> oh, definitely. I think that when we get to the ending and we see Light obviously getting slowly corrupted by power, especially as he tries to cover his tracks, because obviously Interpol are closing in. We have got the FBI investigating him as well, and. He's making all these sort of plans and schemes to try and cover his tracks so that he can't be revealed as uh, Kira, who, which is like this name that is given for this, for whoever everyone assumes is doing the murders. Um, they just assume that it's his serial killer, known as Kira, and he, Kira, himself, as a cult figure, is kind of like Mickey and Mallory in Natural Born Killers. So it becomes this cult figure, and uh, this subject of like popular culture, and that you constantly have like characters like like reference uh, who they would like Kira to kill uh, for them. Like, oh, I would like Kira to kill my mother. Oh, only joking, because you know, having saying you want your mother killed is such a funny joke. Apparently in Japan, so. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, it's um. I, so so I, I'm kind of on the fence about this film because I think it's got a fantastic premise, right? I think. You know, it's got some pretty talented young actors in it. Um, yes, I was disappointed it screeched to a halt, but my biggest problem with it was it's two hours long and I never really felt we delved into the, the big questions that the film's kind of asking. It, it felt very on one level, but there's all sorts of things going on in it, like Kira's, Kira's, um, existence as a as an internet thing which it, i suppose back in 2006 the internet was a different place but it's it, it's kind of interesting to hear how how he becomes an internet message board sort of phenomenon but we never really get to see it uh, and then the big questions are really is it okay Cap- is capital punishment okay <laughs> it's just, and, that, and that's a, that's that's the fundamental question, isn't it? And I'm never sure we really had the debate. We have a bunch of people, mostly light, who are saying, yep, I'm doing the right thing, because these people are awful. And then we have a bunch of people, mostly on the police side, that are sort of saying, actually, no, you can't do this. You've got to have due process. There's um, questions about what if you've got the wrong person, and blah, blah, blah. And then we have our other hero um l which is very confusing light and l <laughs> I mean, yeah. I guess, yeah um that i mean he's, he's he's a he's a he's a lovely creation of really strange ticks and mannerisms and you know in that in that regard he's, he's he's well created and also he's a little bit you know he doesn't mind using people to get to what he wants so there's a there's a a moral ambiguity about him but i have no idea who he is i have no idea why the police force agreed to use him because obviously he's been he's been this great sherlock holmesian detective for years and in fact turns out the japanese police force don't mind using teenage boys because at the end light's going to be part of the task force (laughs) as well and and i'm just thinking really in a country like japan that's the they're absolutely reliant on on children that haven't left high school yet
0: well i mean we have to also remember i mean light offers to help his father uh in the in the case he's sort of like i want to help you and he's like no save your strength like like it's some great battle he's going to endure it's such an unusual way of phrasing it, um, it
1: is, but it but it is hinted that he's helped before um that, that which is a, a bit like oh hello where's this coming from and i think i think the thing that the overall disappointment with the film for me is you've got these really interesting characters and I don't think we ever really get to know them and they get painted into these kind of very high level archetypes really very quickly rather than it feeling like a, I don't feel like fell. I felt he didn't, he, he fell off the first step and actually he was already pretty far down in the dark cellar of, of, um, uh, sociopathness, if, if not psychopath <laughs> psychopathy um yeah so i don't know i i i struggled with it because i could i could see i could understand how the death note omniverse the manga the anime the other films could create a following because it's asking some really interesting fundamental questions. I'm just not convinced this film was asking them all, and I wonder, therefore, as somebody maybe who's read the source material, whether that's much more part of it than it than it appeared to be in the film.
0: Well, this is the thing. I mean, I've yet to read the actual uh, manga. I mean, I've touched on the anime, and the thing I love about Daphne is always the me- is the mechanic what death note is this idea that you you write uh, the name the name of the person you want to to kill in a in a, a book and that you can choose how they die if you wish or they can disrupt day of a heart attack and i loved uh just the simple mechanic and how it's obviously used uh throughout the film and oh,
1: actually and actually that does grow doesn't it because to start with all these people die of heart attacks and you think Yeah, right. This is, (laughs) that's fine. Yeah. It isn't until the, it isn't until the end where suddenly like gets creative with it. And suddenly, I think, I think he gets extraordinarily creative by the end of the film where he's basically setting up multiple deaths reliant on each other. So he's basically setting up a situation where people die because of the actions that they are going to generate their own death by and that's kind of clever that got really interesting for me so that's what again when it i'd say the last act is by far the most interesting for me
0: oh yeah i think by the end it's certainly getting creative but even before then when he starts getting the indication that he's being that people are like following him he starts getting creative like when we have the death of the prisoners and he's created so they all die in different ways like one's uh drawing the pentagram on the wall the other's dropping dead of a heart attack the other so it of kills himself um he's sort of gained more creative with his use of the death note then um i think certainly when we get onto like the bus sequence where he's being followed by the fbi agent and he needs to identify who the agent is that's really the first sort of standout moment of when he gets creative and he sort of orchestrates this whole sequence where this guy this criminal is gonna appear on the bus and he's gonna go for all these different actions before walking off the bus and essentially getting hit by a by a car um yeah he gets very creative and should we say a little far-fetched and i think to because of the setup for the big ending, it does mean we end up with like a half an hour of this film that could have been hacked off it. Um, certainly once we start getting into the FBI agent who's also following him around, and then the vengeful fiance who's then following him around, it's sort of like we could just cut all that out and just have it as L trying to play games and avoid I think, the attentions yeah. of L, I mean, um,
1: yeah, I have to say one i'm pretty sure the f b i is a an American federal organization and doesn't have a Japanese agents in japan <laughs> but that's, but I, so I just wonder if that's a translation thing or that but i think they were pretty were pretty much saying the f b i so the f b i wouldn't exist like that so that 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 annoyed the uh the pedant in me um but yeah god it's it's over it's just over two hours long. Yeah. And it takes, and I wanted to see, I wanted to see these two, these two kids face off against each other much, much sooner. And to find out the sequel is two and a half hours long. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure I've got five hours of my life that I want to spend like this. If uh, it, it's, it's just not quite to me, just quite good enough to uh, invest but what i can see is that there's some really interesting questions and and, and like you, you're quite right i was being a bit hard on it earlier now there is some creativity going on there um but i'm i I was much more interested in those in those, those questions of morality which i don't think were, we're really delved into
0: okay uh, um yeah i think the, the problem I've also got with it is that we have this character L. Now, when L's introduced, he's just a voice on a laptop. All we see is just the symbol, this this like gothic L symbol. And I was like, oh my god, this is going to be great. We're not going to see who it is. And then it gets the halfway point. It's like, oh yeah, it's this guy who's also a college student. And he's got all of this these ticks, and he's somehow got all this money, which means he can sit in this like posh hotel room just gorging himself on junk food and drinking coffee i mean there's a great scene where he's staring coffee with a lollipop after putting like half a pound of sugar in there and you you get all these like hints of his like tics as you said but it felt like kind of a letdown to see who l was after how this idea how they build up the character initially
1: yeah i mean i i'm I, i'm okay with him being uh some kind of seven boy child thing <laughs> that's okay i mean he's a teenager isn't he i mean yeah. that that's a that, that's almost to be expected but i still don't know anything about him he gives a name i doubt that's his real name um and and i i just know about his tics i don't know where he's got all this money from i don't know how this trust has been in, in him. You know, he's just a he's just a interesting looking character. I mean, the actor is, is is well known for um playing kind of kooky and quirky people, so I imagine that's a that's a tip off to, to to his local audience. But he's just a he's just L, and he's just really clever, and clearly he's a little he has a little bit of amorality about him in a slightly different way to to Light has, but I have no idea. I just, I just don't know. I just, it's very hard to connect with somebody if you don't know anything about them.
0: Mm. Um, just obviously, to step back a, a tad, and we obviously mentioned about the the character of Kira, this this alternate personality that the internet essentially creates as a way to put a face on who is committing these these murders. I mean, it, now, I mean, if we wanted a, a more modern comparison, we'd see like the cult of Slender Man, for example, as another sort of uh, creation of the internet and I think when we look at uh, creations such as Kira it seems to again be a very sort of Japanese thing as we also have this message board culture that perhaps we don't quite have the same uh, over over here in the west and you have like characters like Kira, you have like the train man this whole storyline about this boy who saves a girl from being attacked on the subway and this whole relationship that was like built around rumors and myths of what happened to these, these two characters with people claiming they knew them and that they were there. Um And Kira is essentially just like a more morbid version of uh train man in many ways. And I, I love the way that the fact that all these people just created this creation, the fact that they all agree on just his one name, because it's not like light throws the name out there or anything like that. He doesn't create this alternate personality. The, internet and the public conscious create this character for themselves Um, yes
1: and and kira kira is and 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 if this hadn't come from japan it would almost be racist but it just comes from the way that japanese people can't say the l in killer Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's literally that and you know there's there's no bones about it so um i I find that i'm i'm going to be interested if they if they copy that in the uh netflix in netflix remake um because i think that might be a little more difficult to translate
0: cool um i mean is there anything else that you want to raise about this i mean does it inspire you to uh, i think you said already you're not going to watch the second one because of its well time.
1: well i don't know i mean i i i'm intrigued to see where it goes um, I'm, I will watch the Netflix one as well. Yeah. I mean, and you're you're not wrong. There's a there's a there's a core story here, and there's a core mechanic at play which is really interesting. And there are other films which have played on this as well. And you know, this is 2006, so this is this is actually quite a long time ago in technology terms <laughs> so it, it, it's also very interesting like you say about the stuff that's going on the internet at the time um, it, it, it's quite prescient in some ways you know the way we get cults of people that a cult of personality of people that are doing bad things effectively but will have their backers um, so it, it's, it's interesting I just think I wanted it to be more i wanted more yeah and and when i think this is from the director who has has put together some really really fun films yeah um i mean one of the things i i, I have watched i watched the first um the first of his gamera trilogy what a huge amount of fun that is and that doesn't yeah that's got that doesn't waste any time at the same time as, well, you know, it's, it's a very fast-paced thing. It takes its time with the big reveals, but you know, it's still quite punchy and pacey And I just, I just, I don't know. I, 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 didn't feel this one ramped up to anything. I felt it. It started at one pace and never went up or down.
0: Now, obviously, with the the ending, we obviously have the showdown between Light and L. We have the introduction of a second Death Note. There's certainly a lot of uh, things going that sort of leave it open for the sequel, which made me interested to see. Um, I just hope, can only hope the second one's got more pacing, uh, slightly better pacing.
1: Yeah, and obviously, the, 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 I guess the other weird thing is, obviously, there are things that are going to play out in the second one which are dropped in this one. So there's another, there's another Death Note turns up. There's another... There's a young... I don't know what she is. Is she like a TV celebrity or something? Yeah, but, she's uh, like uh, um,
0: but, I think she's like a young sort of TV host because she hosts the cooking show, which is about making your love rivals fat.
1: Yes, it's a bit weird, <laughs> but she's she, she's obviously one of she, she, she's she's quite a vocal supporter of Kira. But and you think, well, oh, where's this going? And then sort of nothing happens until like right at the end where she gets another death note, and I think, oh, hang on a minute, I've been watching this for two hours. Where's this going? And then clearly, that's the sequel. So, so at least it was designed to be two films. Which sometimes you 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 know the second film is just an unnecessary add-on. So, whilst I'm not a huge fan of this practice of of two films where one would do, um, I think you know there's something there. If I have if I have two and a half hours free one day, I will probably finish the set.
0: Cool. Um, now, obviously, to wrap up, I mean further viewing, I mean, what would you like to pair with this one?
1: Gosh, you know, I obviously we've probably covered a whole bunch of films that if we're going to sort of go on the manga adaptation that that week that we probably could add, but I'm going to go for something a little bit different um, it's a South Korean film called Killer tune um which is um about a um cartoonist who has a a popular web web series um so so in in south korea web comics are a huge thing much more than they are anywhere else you know literally things that are designed to be on the internet and uh, her 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 creations basically start killing people um so, so so things that she puts up there in her cartoons end up being real deaths. And so it's a it's a sort of a crime horror film. Um and it's I, I really like it. I really love the lead actress, Lisi Young. Um it's a little bit you know, it's 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 an unusual premise but and a little bit crazy, but I think it works. So it's definitely something worth hunting down.
0: Okay um my choice is going to be going it's a film directed by our sort of man of the moment and that's Sion sono and the film i'm going to obviously choose from his back catalogue films is suicide club as this is a film which also revolves around unusual deaths um this is a film which is arguably a little unbalanced for some taste but it does feature that also memorable scene of uh about 54 teenage uh, schoolgirls committing mass suicide by throwing themselves in front of an oncoming train, which is probably why most people know it and why it's got such a cult appeal. Um, It's not the best film by Sion Sono, but I feel that it ties in well to, obviously, the themes that we've been talking about with Death Note. So if you want to see Unusual Deaths, and certainly a film based around police trying to find the reasons why uh, these suicides are happening then this is in to that respect um a film the, the sort of pairing that I would make between these two films um as i said it's not the best film that uh, sono has directed but at the same time there is enough interesting things happening there to make it certainly worth giving a, a view
1: i mean I, I really like suicide club um it, it, it's an indie horror, though, isn't it? Yeah. It's uh, and 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 it's got some fantastic set pieces in it. You quite it doesn't quite hang together, um, but it's well worth it's well worth a watch. And certainly as an introduction to Sono's work, I think um, of his earlier films, it's easily the most approachable.
0: You saying people shouldn't like do the four hour epic Love of Exposure as an oh introduction. I love.
1: Oh yeah, I love love exposure, but love exposure is, is 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 the beginning of his next step up. There are certain yeah. phases of Sono, um, but like Noriko's dinner table and things like that are, um, I find a bit of a drag. <laughs> and, and, and 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 but but yeah yeah we we could talk a lot about Sono's films, and so I suspect we will.
0: Cool. Um, well, that brings us to another end of another edition of the Asian Cinema Film Club. Thank you, everyone, as always, for listening. Uh, next selection, which are you going to uh, go with, Stephen?
1: Well, funnily enough, we've talked a lot about C-On-Sono, and I'm going to pick a C on C-On-Sono <laughs> film. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, because I think we're coming up to Halloween, um, so I was thinking about picking a nice horror film. Now, I was going to be really boring and pick some South Korean schoolgirl horror film and 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 I will one day <laughs> but I thought we'd go for something a little bit, to, to help people introduce people into Asian cinema, I thought I would pick um, Sion Sono's XD Hair Extensions which is a Japanese comedy horror and the reason it's a good introduction film, it stars Chiaki Kuriyama, who people will probably recognise as That chick from Kill Bill and Battle Royale, but it's a very different sort of film. So I'm hoping
0: you'll enjoy it. Cool. Um, As always, uh, you can find our whole back catalogue of episodes on thatmomentin.com. The we are now fully up to date on the podcast network there. Um, If alternatively you can subscribe through Podomatic and iTunes uh, to make sure you never miss an episode. But uh, Simon, if people obviously want to follow your work, where is the best place to come and find you?
1: Yeah, you can come and find me at my own blog, which is gueloRamblings.wordpress.com. You can find lots of my writing, not just reviews but articles and interviews at EasternKicks.com. And if you just want to get a hold of me directly, well, I think we'll just use the Facebook page now.
0: Cool um as for myself i'm on twitter uh, which is at elwood underscore jones uh you can also find my blog from the depths of dvd hell uh at blogspot.co.uk um and uh, still on that if you're still not uh if you want to read some of my ramblings there you can via you can uh via Game Warp, where i'm writing about uh, like. Uh, video games um, and also you can follow my movie location series uh, called the movie tourist where we look at different movie locations and how they play into uh, different movies so uh, that is currently all over at that moment in dot um, and uh, until next time I mean I'd like say thank you as always to my co-host Stephen it's a pleasure as always mate and uh, until next time uh, the Silver Jones sign off for another edition of the Asian Cinema Film Club and saying goodnight Hey 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 泣きの恋は